This episode is brought to you by Hayward. Welcome to episode 32 of the Ask the Masters podcast. This week, we're featuring master builder Ryan Oaks. He sits down with fellow master Mike Nance to discuss his love for the arts and what sparked his passion for design. Stay tuned for this very special episode. Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Masters podcast. This podcast is dedicated to discussions about the design and construction of water shapes. The hosts of the show are all certified SWD masters who represent the leading builders and designers within the water shaping industry today. Well, hey, Ryan, it's uh, good to talk to you today. I'm, I'm glad we have an opportunity to sit down and visit and, and uh, discuss your, your background, your history, your swimming pool uh, knowledge and all of the great things, you know, swimming pool related. So usually the way we start these things off is, uh, why don't you give us a, a, a quick background on, uh, uh, on your company and, and, uh, when you kicked it off and what you specialize in, et cetera. Uh, thanks Mike. Um, it's awesome to talk to you, man. I appreciate you doing the interview. Um, Wow, uh, I am Ryan Oaks, SWD Master. I am a partner in Clearwater Construction Group out of North Carolina. We started in '97. So in '97, that was uh, that was when you said we. So was that when you kicked off the business, or you had a partner that brought you in, or how did that how did that all start? Well, I started the business in 97, uh, right out of school. Well, I guess really 98. I finished school in 97, started in 98. So um, ran with the business for maybe a decade. And uh, I sort of came to a to a point in life where I felt like I was working really hard and exchanging a lot of money, but not putting any in my pocket. And about the same time, I had a friend, old friend, sort of, come across my path and um, we started talking shop and decided to come together and uh, work on this company uh, as a duo. And um, so I brought uh, David Hooper in as my business partner and we ran from there, man. And and that, that was the magic. That's what made it work. Um, Having somebody like-minded, but, but different as well. We, we have sort of a right brain, left brain, uh, connection and ability to work together really well. So that's where we are. You know, uh, another 10 years later, we are a, a company of two, um, uh, as, as owners, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Got it. So, so when you said you, you guys were kind of the opposite of one another, so what, what a little bit about your background and, and, uh, you know, what brought you to the, to the pool business there in 97? Well, it's interesting. Um, I think it, it would be easy to start in, in the 97, 98 era, but I think you have to look at the seeds that are planted in childhood. And my parents were great influences in my life. I think, um, you know, as I look back now as an adult, I realized that a lot of the things that they did for me as a child really kind of almost mapped out my life, not intentionally, but it, it, th- those seeds were planted and, um, the roots took. And so for example, they introduced me to art, you know, we had art in our home. They would take me to art museums, uh, New York, Paris, uh, all around the world, around the country. Um, they had me in art classes, um, 
And I continued that through high school and college. And so art was sort of always part of my life, though not with an impetus to be an artist. Just, hey, this is part of your life. This is an important part of being a human. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 early influence just uh, really took hold. And so that's that, you know, fast forward to now, my... I, I am I probably am the, the creative driving side of, of our business and my partner Hooper is the uh production minded, you know, hey, here's how we're gonna actually make a living at this and not be starving artist. I got it. So he's he's sort of would you consider him being the implementation and you just uh I I I, I you strike me as someone being more implementation driven as well as you do have kind of an artsy vibe about you whenever we talk and meet and discuss various things. I, I get that. I get that feel from you, but so you, you, you're bringing that to the table. And so what is, what is your partner bringing to the table? Is that just the implementation aspect or just business no, operation? So yeah. Yeah. This is what's really unique about our, our relationship. Um, we both live kind of, I think in a dichotomy, um, Hooper is very creative as well, um, and I, as you noticed, I'm definitely uh, driven and uh, can can handle implementation also. Um, but if we, ha- you know, so we don't. <clears throat> I've never felt like I'm a right or left brain. Uh, I really don't, but I do probably lean toward the creative side without a doubt. Um, and so, having those early influences, getting back to that, you know, my I, I grew up watching my dad draw residential construction, retail construction, even make maquettes out of balsa wood. And um, it was interesting for me as a child to watch him design things, whether they're retail store fixtures or entire floor plans and traffic flow patterns in stores or uh, a residential house that he wanted to build. Um, And those things were more seeds planted in my brain and I wouldn't recognize them until I was an adult, but they were, they were there. That was part of my life. And so again, fast forward to now I drive the design side of our business. Um, and Hooper definitely is very management driven. He makes things happen. It's, it's amazing to see what, uh, what he can make happen in a day's time uh, versus me. I, I might, I may spin out on something and be thinking about the craft and not about getting it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me about the businesses. I, I think there's more than one, right? I mean, you've got like what two yeah. or three different prongs of your business. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in 98, I started uh, American Pond Company. It was a water feature, stone masonry, whatever came across my table, fountains, uh, business. And when David and I pulled pulled things together, we said, okay, we need a name that is more conducive to what we do now, um, not what we did 10 years ago. And uh, as things have progressed and changed over time, um, we we came up with Clearwater Construction Group to be fairly broad and inclusive of anything to do with water or construction uh, because that's that's kind of what we do any anything to do with water or construction. Um, along the way, 
we were growing tired as pool builders of, of finding someone to do a good shell. Um, so if I may digress on that for a, for a moment. No, sure, bio. Yeah. It, in the early days, we we were pumping concrete, doing wet mix shotcrete on our own, and of course, uh, had our ass handed to us a few times, uh, it's, as, <laughs> as anybody that gets into the wet mix business yeah. knows. And uh, <laughs> and it was hard. Um, we learned a lot, and um, it uh, it we recognized at a point that this was better for other people to do. And so we began subbing the work out and um, we continued to sub the work out for a period of years and we were never satisfied with the, with the work that we were getting um, from the local sub trades. So we decided to start uh, our own gunite company and we had discovered uh, through the process that we felt like dry mix shot crate was the best way to go or gunite as a lot of people call it. So, um, we said let let's start our own, and it was a, it's a huge leap of faith to do this. The investment in dry mix uh, shot crate is um, enormous, and uh, we we really stumbled into it, quite frankly. And um, so uh, we started Revolution Gunite, and it grew, and it grew more than we really ever imagined it would because we did a great job with it, and instantly people people listen, you know, people hear and. Uh, the pool community is very networked and linked together, uh, whether they want to be or not. The, <laughs> or, the, as, uh, as we say in Gunite, there are no secrets in Gunite. So it's, it's kind of the same way in the pool business. And so people heard about us and started calling. So now we, we shoot pools all over the southeast um, for a myriad of uh, pool contractors. Quick word from our partner, Hayward. I hear that um, that you do Hayward equipment, right? That yes. You're a full-on Hayward guy. Yes. So why is that? Why did you uh, you choose that 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 line? I I've had the opportunity uh, in my you know close to 20 years in the pool industry to uh, you know try just about everybody's stuff, and mm -hmm. you know after um, you know using you know some of the other brands, I, I just I, I honestly feel that Hayward stands above them uh, hmm. for a couple reasons. I, I think that the um, they're committed to innovation. So we see stuff yeah. coming down the pike. Uh, our company beta tests for Hayward on the East Coast. Oh, you do the actual beta testing? Yep. In-house? Yep. yep. Okay. So cool. we, you know, we have even a couple products now that um, we can't talk about because NDAs, <laughs> but... Uh, You'd have to kill me. Then, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so you'd have to burn the building down. Um, you know, and I, I just, and I, in my case, the support on the back end is, is just tremendous. And when I have an issue, I, I, I need it, and I need it now because I've got an impatient client who doesn't understand weight, and so it's all about service. And, so. no, and, and you'll have to agree, nothing breaks at an opportune time. You know, in, sure. our, in, our, in our case, you know, being in the Northeast, you know, pumps aren't breaking in February, they're breaking in the middle of the heat in July. And you know, pe people don't want to wait. You know, everybody's uh, wants to get back up and running. You know, I've also discovered we, we track our, our warranties and we, we track uh, service visits. And honestly, I don't have a lot. I, I don't. You know, we're, we're not spending day after day fixing Hayward equipment. Um, and I so so on that. Let me ask you about those on that fixing part. Are you 
Are you having to call them to go out and fix? Or are you doing the, the fix in-house with their support somehow? So we, we're, we're set up with Hayward Service, um, which, which is a very seamless process. It's basically a warranty form. We stock just about everything that we install from you know, variable speed pumps to uh, boards, whatever the case is. And, um, you know, so we, we fix it. We, we, we fix it and deal with the manufacturer second. We're not asking for permission because at the end of the day, the thing I think, believe that I love most is they will do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had situations recently where, you know, there's lights that were maybe slightly out of warranty. Um, you know, and they, they've allowed us to, to, to install them and then, you know, figure it out with them down the road. And they're not going to say no. Mm-hmm. So how much, how much product a year do you think you, you purchase now? Uh, I'm going to say that our Hayward, uh, you know, Hayward line will be in upwards of three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars for 2019. Substantial, yes. So you know, I think we we warrant the support. But listen, at the end of the day, when I was buying thirty thousand, they didn't treat me any different. Oh well. Yeah, so yeah. You know, I think that's important. You know, the automation, the Omni Logic has been a godsend. Um, people love it. The connectivity, um, it's amazing, the interface, and it's a bell and whistle that we can show through their uh, one of their apps, their demonstration apps. When we sit at the table with a client, we pull up one of one of their pools on an iPad, and I use my phone to control the demonstration. Mm-hmm. So we're turning bubblers and stuff on that are, you know, you know, we tease them, that's my pool, it's in my backyard. And, you know, in February, <laughs> they laugh about it. But yeah. it's just one of the things that they give us. The, the, one of the tools. Yeah, and so you said earlier though that the, the the client seems to be happy and they're they're impressed. And so is that part of your decision that the the, the client, or is it more just simply the service that they that you know it's a good product and you've got great service and, and that's it. Mike, I, I believe in the product. I, I I'll be real honest with you. You know, I, I um, my in my former life, one of the companies I worked for was a Hayward dealer when I first got involved in the industry. So I'll be honest, when I built my pool, it had Hayward equipment on it, and it, it wasn't 100% a lock and a natural for me to go to Hayward. But in that time, I had tried the other manufacturers. The other thing on my side was the rep, the area rep at that time had over 10 years, 10, 12 years in the field, which, you know, honestly, in those positions, that's unusual. Mm-hmm. His boss had the same amount of time or greater um you know i know you you know mike massa who has since left mm-hmm. the company mm-hmm. you know mike um had the time so it, it was it was very easy it was a almost very similar to genesis it was a family atmosphere of people that all knew each other yeah i wasn't starting over with you know one of the other brands and, and trying to develop a relationship um and it, it shows in what we do it shows in the product yeah, yeah, I got it. So it's a testament to, uh, to to why you're you're still a Hayward guy, and, and looks like going to be for quite a while. Yeah, I I, I intend to be, and I'm always uh, humbled and flattered at the at the service we get from them, and the innovations, and the phone calls. Hey, could you could you try this out? Can you look at this? What do you think? Um, you know, we we push the envelope a little bit in in design and build, so it's not as simple as pointing to a pump and. Um, saying, hey, that's going to work. You know, we need to know it's going to perform.
Mm -hmm. So on the innovation side, you sure you don't want to share with what's, what's coming down the pike? I, 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 I thought I'd try one more time. <laughs> you know, it, it's, I, I, the only thing I can share is it's not something that you would see in the pool industry. Oh, wow. As, as bizarre as that sounds, you know, so they, they've, uh, they've delved into something else. Um, and then I, I, I believe the light is the best on the market. So, you know, and in my mind, when I think of our equipment sets, you know, we're purchasing their our electrical set, we're purchasing their light, their automation. And our final purchase order is typically uh, what I would call startup. So if somebody's not going with an in-floor cleaning system, we're going to do uh, the Trivac 700, I, I think is the best pressure side cleaner on the market. Cleaner too. Okay. Entry level. Yeah. Yeah. They've, uh, they've revamped the Trivac, um, oh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Aquavac. Mm -hmm. And they've come out with the Aquavac 650, which uh, reminds me of a uh, angry Dyson vacuum. <laughs> that, uh, that, that plugs into a GFI and it has this cartridge that just pulls out. I, I just got one to uh, to test about uh, a month ago, and and it, it's badass. I mean, it's you know, it's it, I smile and I get excited about Hayward because uh, I, I really, my heart feels the best stuff out there. Well, outstanding. Well, have I missed anything? Is there anything else you want to tell us about your your experience with the, the Hayward products? I mean, it sounds like we've We've covered it. You're not going to tell us uh, anything about innovation that we want to know about. It's coming down the line. <laughs> You'll so. have to wait for the press release. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, All man. Right. All right. Awesome. Good talking to you, questions. Where Where is the bulk of your time spent on a day-to-day -day basis? Oh, wow. Um, as of late... And I'll say as of late, as of the last couple of years, the bulk of my time has been sort of mired down in construction and design. Um, and to that end, uh, we recognize because Guide and now um, Pebble Tech, uh, we're recently, we've recently uh, started a Pebble Tech applicator um, crew, and these things need a lot of attention. So we've sort of we're we're in a transition point of moving uh toward all of our energy going towards gunite pebble tech and design um does, I, I can never see us leaving the design world it's it's been part of me from day 1 you know it's um it's just something that's always part of us and, and we've expanded and, and and leveraged our capacity in the design realm so heavy in the last few years that we're, we're really excited about what we're doing with design. So um, to that end, we are sort of winding down the construction and it's, it's much more of a selective process for us. Um, I've been pretty heavily involved in just a few projects in the last two years and uh, one of which took uh, over 18 months to complete. So that's, um, that's tough, and that puts a lot of weight on my business partner's shoulders. Um, I mean, we have a staff of, uh, I don't know right now, around 50, and uh, that's a lot to manage. So um, I, I think as we move forward, we'll see that it's our attention is much more focused on strictly gunite design and plaster. Yeah, so that, that design element, uh, and so what, you're, what you mean by design is, is swimming pool design, backyard, outdoor environment, outdoor living design. Is that, that correct? Yeah, so 
over the years, we've designed anything from residential construction, uh, historic renovations, new construction, out, transitioned into the outdoors, swimming pools, uh, public parks, any of that. And But by and large, residential swimming pool, um, water-shaped construction, uh, and, and outdoor living. I mean, it's, it is all of the above, and quite frankly, we'll draw anything somebody pays us to, I suppose, but, um, <laughs> I mean, you would too, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, all, we all have, we all have our price, right? <laughs> right. We exactly. Can be <laughs> but, but, but that is the, uh, that's the, if we said what's the core business, uh, from the design side, it's, it's swimming pool or water shape, uh, construction and everything that goes around it. Um, I really believe having the component of what goes around it is integral to the pool itself being being a winner, right? You know, it's you can't you could have the most incredible pool in the world, but if everything else is um ad hoc, you know, it then it doesn't work. And now this beautiful pool doesn't doesn't jive with the house. It doesn't transition. So our you know focus is hey let let's bring the outdoors and the indoors together and the 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 meeting point is the pool area. It's the pool environment. It's it's where we're going to transition everybody from indoors to outdoors. Yeah, exactly. So that that holistic approach to design is is actually been driving me for the last thirty years as well. And 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 I uh, appreciate and respect that that the fact that you've you've identified that. Which again, your background sort of just leads you that way anyway. But design is definitely not. Uh, well, do you want a straight line or would you like a curve line, Mr. Client? You know, I mean, it, it, it really is the holistic, the, the entire complete environment of everything that you see. You know, David Tisherman used to say this all the time. Uh, he said he would say if somebody walks into the backyard and says, oh, what a great pool. He felt like he failed at what he had done. But if you just walk into the backyard and it just feels good to be there then you've done your job well, I think. So, yeah, I, I admire the holistic approach for sure. Yeah, I um, I grew up in a house with tall ceilings and a lot of glass. A lot of light came in. And a number of years ago, I bet it was, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, I was running in the woods and thinking about thinking about architecture because that's what I do. <laughs> I, I, think about, I think about design. And it, it occurred to me that, you know, having having eight foot ceilings, nine foot ceilings, ten foot ceilings, uh, or twenty five foot ceilings, these things affect who we are and how we think and how we process our daily events. So, I decided that in everything we do, I want a person to look forward to coming home, and and kind of long for getting back to home when they leave for work. I want them to feel like this is the best place in their life, the place that inspires them to to just to just be there. And whether it's a calming environment or an edgy environment, you know, that that's driven around the client, right? You know, some people need are, are just too laid back and they need something edgy in their life. And so maybe we lean to a a color palette to to energize them or Maybe people are just way too wound up and they really need a calm, sensual place to just relax and, and forget about the world. And so 
I like to inquire with the client. It's not just a location-driven item. Um, I, I, I believe that the client is very integral to the design process. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, I completely agree. And um, uh, again, you know, I, I, I travel the world in this design world, uh, in this design of, of water feature world. And, um, you know, that's always the, the first thing that when the client says, I've seen something, I'd like to pursue this with you. What's the next step? And, and I'm, that's the, what you just said is my first statement. We need to meet. And, yeah, uh, and, exactly. and so, and then, and then second statement is I've got to experience the space and, and it's not that I need a vacation to fly away to these faraway lands where you are. I just got to experience the space in order to provide the proper service. So it sounds like you're of the same mind. Absolutely. And, and uh, I remember maybe 15 years ago, uh, I had a client that wanted us to build a rose garden in the back of this enormous estate that uh, I kind of grew up around. And um, so it, it was, I was honored to be able to do this. And I was a little stumped. And I just said to her, look, I need to go spend some time over there. And so I went and got a really nice bottle of red wine and <laughs> went over there in the backyard on a on a cool fall day and I finished that bottle man and uh, and uh <laughs> and came away with an incredible plan and and she was excited you know so um sometimes that's what it takes you know sometimes you got to uh, st- step go off get, the edge get, a little bit to <laughs> yeah go go get drunk in your client's backyard that's that's what I do <laughs> <laughs> well you know what's interesting was uh I mean on any given day god a bottle would be hard to drink but I was so jazzed and and the, I, I don't think I felt that bottle at all. It was just uh, that the juices were flowing, um, and it it just became part of the design, you know. And so it, it maybe it made me more fluid, maybe it didn't, maybe it helped tone me down. I don't know, but uh, it was uh, it was a, it's a fun memory anyway. Yeah. So so speaking of that, and again, it just you're 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 kind of helping me recollect how my process works as well. And so I tend to, you know, go from that initial um, in, environmental influence, if you will, that, that, that receiving the space and making it part of your, your, your mind and your own vernacular, and now you've got to carry this forward and create something. Now, take me back to the drawing room, if you will, the design table, whatever it is. I, I, I tend to spend a little time listening to classical music, and I, I love to do that whenever I draw. I never listen to classical music any other time except when I draw. So do you have any particular vices or, or things that, that, that stimulate you? I do, man. If I need to really focus on something, I put on some Philip Glass you know, just some really intense uh, modern classical music. It's it's funny that you lean back to that. Uh, when I was in school, I always listened to uh, some of the more classic stuff, you know, Chopin and Vivaldi, especially Vivaldi. It really helped me study. Um, it was nice. You know, it's it breaks. It almost creates a sense of deep comp- concentration, um, as opposed to wordy, wordy music. Um, so oh, I definitely well, well, they, listen to music a bit when I when I draw. Yeah, Vivaldi though makes me want to like 
have sex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's like Vivaldi gets me up and running, but uh, but now now Beethoven is more of a of a thinking classical music for me. I mean, that's more you know meditative, if you will. So it's a I'm just surprised that you pick Vivaldi. That that's interesting. Oh uh, well, it, it was it was all of the above in the school days, but now uh, now the go to is, is Philip Glass. Man, it's um it's deep deep thinking, deep, edgy stuff. I was turned on to him by a really close friend of mine who's a, a marble sculptor. Um, and he sent me a clip, uh, a video of him carving, and I heard it in the background. Uh, what the hell is that, man? And so I didn't know, <laughs> I'd never heard of him. And um, so we we talked a little bit about that, and I immediately turned it on, and wow. It was, uh, it's intense. Now, so I sit, um, I have an associate in my office with me, and so she has to listen to that too. <laughs> but, but, but it's good, you know, or if she doesn't want to hear what I'm listening to, she puts her headphones on and vice versa. So yeah. it works out. Um, well, so, but that's, so, so tell me. Uh, so, so tell me about the application, then. So uh, are you are you working in pencil, graphite? paints or, or watercolors or are you are you working in computer software computer uh in the early days it was all it was all the rudimentary stuff right the original old school pencil drafting watercolors color color pencils uh i didn't do a lot of watercolor but touched on it but a lot of color pencils and just graphite or piece of paper uh if i didn't have a smudging tool a piece of paper i'd twist it up and turned into a smudging tool um you know whatever it took to get the to get the job done um so you know having education in art certainly gave me those those basic skill sets right um and so even perspective drawing like the classes you teach you know that that was that's all second nature to me because i've been doing it since i was a kid um and which reminds me, anytime I think of you and your class, or your perspective drawing class, I think of uh, your chair that you ask people to draw, and then you ask, you flip it upside down and ask them to draw that. And I think it's a, a great exercise. I love it. I love it. I know I'm I'm digressing here, completely derailing uh, your question, but it's just every time I think of of Mike Nance, I think of an upside down chair. <laughs> well. Well, now, now that now every time I think of you, I think of you with a bottle of wine in somebody's backyard just getting blitzed. So I mean, well, as long know. as the chair is not upside down, the chair I'm sitting in is not upside down. I'll be okay, right? <laughs> that may be the end game. Uh, I think I no, think um, I think I think it was a bottle of wine that gave me the upside down chair idea to begin with. So I, we have something in common. But that's but, awesome. But no, the that's awesome. No, the reason why I was asking, you know, what's what's your method or medium that you use to bring your ideas forward is because of the background in in art that you described to me, and 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 as a as again to hijack this a little bit and make it a little bit about me, I I I have done that very thing. I've done what you said. I've gotten away from uh, the 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 art tools and spending more time in the computer because it. It's not not because it's faster, better, easier. It's just a way of communication in in the modern world of business. And I was doing it just yesterday. I'm sitting in St. Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands, for the last week, and I've done three 
uh, go to meeting conferences online already this week, and I couldn't do that with, well, I guess I could with a pencil and paper, but it's much more efficient, and everybody gets to see it. We can make revisions and do all this stuff with the computer, uh, and, and so I can work from anywhere. However, all that said, and again, bringing it right back to you, I, I miss my tools. I am making myself use my tools more now. I'm using more marker. I'm using more watercolor. Just in the last six months, I've really started to push myself in that direction. So I urge you, don't get too far away from those tools because there's a creative aspect to those that is just tapped by, by those things in your hand that a, a mouse in your hand just doesn't do. I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> well, there's no doubt about that. Those things are essential. So they live on my desk. They live in my bag that I carry with me. So no matter where I go, if you run into me somewhere, whether it's an ACI convention, uh, an ASA meeting, or um, a Genesis class, or anywhere, if you say, hey, man, do you have a pencil on you? I can whip one out. And I have a smudger <laughs> usually and a highlighter and a, a little color and, and a nice pen, at least, at least the essentials, right? So, um, you know, having those skills is important. I, I remember being on a project in Roatan. It's an island off the coast of Honduras where I showed up with my laptop and um, had to do a lot of fast drafting and, you can't see the laptop outside. And I had to translate these images to you know, a, a workforce of 40 guys that speak Spanish. And so I would find myself hand drafting um, a lot. I would spend hours all, every day hand drafting. And that is the advantage of uh, a computer um, where you can simply hit rotate and spin things around um, and be able to show somebody something in intricate detail. And so that's kind of where we find ourselves now, you know, fast forward to the future. I, I've, I went from hand drafting to uh, <clears throat> any form of CAD uh, modeling, whether it was uh, SketchUp or Pool Studio and then AutoCAD, um, excuse me. And then I would, I realized that for us, at least, my perspective, using building information modeling software such as uh, Revit, an, an Autodesk product. Uh, that's not an Autodesk ad, <laughs> by the way. It's yeah, just, yeah. So people know, hey, Revit, what is Revit? Well, Revit's kind of like AutoCAD, but it's 3D, and it tells you everything you want to know about the project. And so I realized that that's really the future of design. And the architecture community, the engineering community already knows this. They've known this for a long time. BIM stuff is, is the wave of the future. Um, however, in swimming pool design, it sort of lags behind a little bit. And so I think part of that is because it's, it's really hard to learn. Uh, if, if people think AutoCAD's hard, they, they should jump into a Revit <clears throat> program. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's stiff. It has a really steep learning curve. And so I started using Revit and realized that, wow, okay, this is cool. I understand it. I can do it. But I am also a business owner. I, am, I also do other things in my business. Drafting is not my sole, uh, my sole responsibility within this organization. So we hired a draftsman. And that was a great step for us. We were able mm -hmm. to bring in skills that were far beyond mine. Um, I, I brought in 
a young lady named Anna. Uh, you may have met her. Um, if if not, you'll meet her in New Orleans. Uh, she's an amazing draft, draftsman and uh, draft person. Uh, and, and so I've been mentoring her in design while she's uh, doing the brunt of the work, you know. And and so what mm-hmm. happens here is we get a collaboration, and we love collaboration. You know, I like collaborating with outside organizations, with other architects and uh, designers and um uh, builders, even, you know, everybody and the homeowner for that matter, but Mm -hmm. internally we collaborate. So she'll create the rudimentary, um, the layout. And then I go back to the pencil. She, and it might even be a digital pencil on my, on my phone, right? I might just take a stylus Mm -hmm. out and draw on the phone, send it back to her because I'm not always in the office. And then she runs with it, kicks it back to me. And there's this play back and forth and we tweak a design all the way to the finished project that we're ready to say here client this is the finished concept that we would like to present to you so that's that's how it Mm -hmm. goes and there so there is still hand drawing in my world without a doubt great great yeah you just you just don't want to lose it it's easy to do and like i said i've done it through experience and just not not quit drawing. I still draw as a hobby. I still have things that little artsy and craftsy things that I keep going, you know, that, that keep me going and, and kind of satisfy that aspect of, of, of my world. But I, I'm just seeing that more and more in the various presentations that we do in the various offices that I walk into, the younger architects are not very skilled with a pencil. I've, I've done it multiple times now where I've gone into a a, a large architectural firm and the old guys are slinging lead, and the young guys are just sort of standing back and watching, and whenever you push the pad over in front of them, they kind of resist it. They really don't want to do that because it's not a mouse. It's a pencil, and they're a little afraid of it, even though I think it's a prereq within their, their curriculum that they, they have to draw. But, but again, my, my, my point about that is that it's, I, I would just hate to see it become a lost art in the world of, of, of architectural design or swimming pool design or whatever, you know, residential design, whatever label you want to tag to it. It just, there's just way too much computer influence in, in my opinion. And I don't know if you share that opinion or not, but Revit, I don't do, I work in SketchUp. So, uh, but I have seen Revit and it, and you're, you're right. And I've toyed with it. It's, it's complicated, but, but the overall aspect of, of creating, that that initial concept of bringing something forward with uh, or bringing that idea forward in, into a, on a two dimensional plane with a pencil is just there's just something creative about that for me anyway and I, I think that it's 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 waning a bit in our in our industry and I'm I'm worried about it. Well, and and I you can't get away from the reality that in a few minutes you can sketch an entire project just to, I mean, and it, it, it may be very rough and rudimentary or it may be very refined depending on your perspective drawing skills. But in a few minutes you can lay down the, the fundamental geometry of an entire project with a pencil. And yeah. I don't think that's possible in a computer. I, and I've seen really fast drafting happen, you know, nin, ninja skills, right? And I just don't think you can really kick that down that fast. I mean, I and and even micro details, you know, hey, what do I do about this uh, this particular uh, 
union of uh, a Lautner edge and a staircase on a swimming pool uh, where we want water to run down it. Okay, um, here's how I would do that. Boom, boom, boom. And then it goes into the computer. And after you you know stumble around with it in the computer, you can spin it around. And here's the advantage of the computer. You get to spin it around and look for, rather than having to draw eight different angles by hand, now the computer, all you have to do is rotate. So yeah. I think the hand's really quick for getting the idea on paper, getting the idea the idea laid out, um, and it not just be some random abstract thought in in the designer's head. But the computer does it leverages that. It takes it to places you can never imagine, you know, and I and I like that aspect of the computer. And so we we very much embrace technology for for our part uh we do topographical surveys for all projects if we can um even simple flat yard projects because they might have a garden bed that's sacred or a patio or an existing structure and this all this data collection and input and it's just so easy you go out there and collect it with surveying instruments and then bring it into the computer lay it out and now you know where your real canvas is and then when we draw in the computer, we can take it back out into the field, put it right back into that same instrument and lay out the project and never get a tape measure out. You know, the days of triangulation uh, and, you know, two tape measures and a couple pieces of rebar or, or uh, some um, some pins, those are gone. We don't do that. Yeah. You know, if it's a simple, quick, straight line, hey, is that six feet? Yeah, we got it. Tape measure, right? But by and large, we, we don't even put up form boards to excavate. You know, we lay it out with spray paint and, uh, and a surveying tool, dig the hole, then form, then check the forms with the surveying tool, then steel, check the steel, then shoot. You know, and so, and if it's complicated, we might, we might be, at least on two occasions, we've been present uh, on gunite day with surveying equipment, making sure tolerances are tight enough that, we don't have to do too much rendering or, or tweaking on a shell because it was a tight tolerance project. So mm -hmm. it's um we like we love technology, but man, as you said, I'm never giving up giving up the pencil. It's just too it's too <laughs> handy. Yeah. Well that's cool. So so do you have any particular projects that are uh that are just really kind of jazzing up those creative juices right now? Anything on the drawing board that's uh got you excited? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if I should talk about them or if I should wait to <laughs> unveil them as they as they come to fruition. Um, we're doing some things to push the envelope of what we do with the water once we get past the vanishing edge. You know, why why does the outside have to be tile or stone? Um, so we are working on a lot of designs that, and a few in particular, that really just change change what we think about um with our, with water and, and i think the driving force there is my man every every pool we, we somehow gets categorized as linear or curvilinear and no that 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 is a just a big broad stroke categorization right but why can't we be thinking in terms of let's let's create some art forms out here um, and so not everybody wants an art form. They just want a pool to play in, and that's cool. But uh, we want to we kind of get back to 
our roots, you know, for me, my roots, you know, and that is art. Uh, it's using water, steel, uh, glass, uh, stone, concrete. It's using all these materials, a porcelain, whatever it is, but it's using them differently. And so that's, that's kind of where we're, we're heading, you know, generally speaking with, um, with design. And if it's, uh, draw me a square meal deal in the backyard, sure. We'll kick out something simple, but, um, that's, that's not where our heart, our heart is. Our heart is in pushing, pushing the envelope. Yeah, and and I and I love that aspect of it. It's it's my it's the same approach that I carry to design. Is I I, I just I, I had a, an editor call one time and talk to me about some things that I was doing, and she said, you know, your stuff doesn't really. I'm looking at all these different images of things that you've produced, and it doesn't really like fit in a category. It's it's not easy to define or to recognize. Oh, that's one of your jobs because they're so diverse. And I guess that could that could be taken, you know, badly or 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 as a compliment either way. But but no, I I just I've never been one to like. And that's the other question I get too is is what about the trends? What about the trends in the industry? You know, what what trends do you see that are hot? Right? I, I don't know. I I don't do. I do what the site tells me to do. The site speaks to me, and that's what I kind of work with. And exactly like you're talking about taking those materials, those finishes those textural elements and, and blending them with all these various colors that are out and available. I think that's more of the artistic approach as opposed to, Hey, I do great perimeter overflows and you're going to get one whether you like it or not. You know, that's not <laughs> right. right. That, that's, that's not design. Now if a client and I'm with you, if a client says that we need a rectangle in the backyard because my husband wants to do laps, you know, lap length, and or, or a lap swimming, and but you know what I always do is I always take that and do you do the same thing? I guess is the question. I always take that and say, well, great, yeah, lap doesn't necessarily mean rectangle. Uh, could could I create an amorphic blob of a shape in your backyard and have a straight line in there somewhere with two walls there uh, uh, parallel to one another so you could you know you can do flip turns whatever but they could be 70 feet away from each other and still be a straight line without a rectilinear shaped swimming pool, you know? And, and, and oftentimes when they say something like that, you see the light go off in their head and can you do that? Well, sure. And with, as you said, with an artistic approach, we can create anything that, that, that meets with not only your, your, um, not, I wouldn't wanted to say logistics, but the, um, Oh, what's the term where you you interface with stuff? Um, okay, well, I just lost the term. Anyway, <laughs> you lost the term. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. The uh, oh, ergonomics. That's what I was trying to say. So, so something Perfect. that's ergonomically, you know, fits your your flip turn, for instance. We can make that work in any shape swimming pool. You know, given given the site. You know, and and so, but it sounds exactly that that's what you do. Is is you let the site sort of speak to you, and then you think in terms of an artistic approach to the water and the water shape and the finishes and materials and colors and yada yada yada. It, it just is a much better approach, in my opinion. Well, I think the driving force for me is is what I would call my design principle, um, and I, I, and I don't mean that in the sense that I own this. It's just what what drives me, um, and that is. Uh, where, say, you take someone like Frank Lloyd Wright, who believed that uh, a structure should fit its natural setting, um, 
I believe that a structure should fit its cultural setting also. So, for example, it's uh, I find it painstaking to see uh, a McMansion in a country rural side setting, um, where a McMansion in a neighborhood setting is fine, you know, all day long, whatever. That's that's there. I have no qualms with that, but take a setting where we see nothing but tobacco barns and uh, smoke houses and uh, agricultural sheds and then put a big brick house out there, it doesn't work. And so the same thing applies to me for water features. It's, it's, again, it's a design principle for me. And it's, it is our driving design principle. The <clears throat> structure has to fit the culture. So it's, it, in the case of outdoor living, what we're building, what we're designing has to not only look good with the house, it has to complement the architecture of the house. It needs to fit the setting. So placing a big sheet of black glass, uh, as, as you suggested, you know, a great perimeter overflow pool in a, in a courtyard setting with the wrong house doesn't make sense. You can put a million dollar pool beside uh, a house that it doesn't fit with um, and it doesn't make sense at all. And that same house could have been complemented and accented by having a different style pool there. And so there is a, uh, and I'm not going to call this a trend, you know, there's there's a trend of raising the level of the water, right? That's great. I love it. Um, Anything we can do to get the reflection up. But there's a fad of let's put a black perimeter overflow pool everywhere. And and I'm not on board with that. I I want to design any structure to fit the culture, to fit the house, to fit the personality of the people swimming in it, and um, to fit the house they live in. So even if their personality says, hey, man, I'm modern and, and artsy and I want this pool, if they're in a red brick house, it doesn't work just it doesn't make sense and so i'm i'm uh with nothing against red brick houses you know i love you know red brick houses are great we're surrounded by them in the southeast you know but it's there are certain homes that certain pool designs don't work in and so i i want to be sure that as we draw we do try to complement the house and we look at the color palette. We look at the shape. We look at the, um, the personality of the client. So all that goes into, into play there. And again, the driving principle is, <clears throat> is letting the culture help uh, design the project. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I want to ask you a little bit more about the, the what you specifically mean of culture, but, but first and foremost, what do you, I feel this way about my uh, abilities and uh, and my my overall <clears throat> design integrity, I guess. So whenever the client says, "Yeah, so what? We have red brick, and so what? We're very traditional, even a plantation style house or whatever it might be, but we still want that perimeter overflow and still want that glassy tabletop look in our backyard, and and we still want it black." So there you go, Mr. Designer. Give us what we want. Do, do you do you arm wrestle that client, or do you try to meet those needs, or do you walk the job because you're so damn set in your ways? No, I definitely try to work with. I mean, if someone wants to hire us to do work, I want to, 
I, I want to perform. I want to come up with something that fits their needs and desires. Um, and at the same time, um, still be good design, still, still be, still, I want to take a challenge. I'm not, I'm not afraid of a challenge. So, uh, having said that, if the wrong wish list comes across my table, I'll just walk. I'm not, we're not interested. We, we have turned down work, you know, we will say, look, that just doesn't jive with our personality. And, and that's a hard thing to do. It's, it's really hard to say no to someone who wants to pay you money to work for them. But, um, you know, if if they just want you to do something that doesn't fit your um, design principles or your life principles, then you have to be willing to say no. At least that's what I think. <laughs> so um, yeah. so I'll, I'll work with something as long to answer your question. I'll work with it as long as it does fit our design principles. But yeah, I, I would I would dig my heels in at some point and and turn work down if it doesn't if it's just not the right fit. And and that's not because I'm I'm trying to be obstinate about it. It's just because well, I think kind of like Shakespeare said, you know, we design our own lives, you know, we design our world. Um we in the end are who we've created. And so if if I don't want to be something or uh, and I don't want to draw something that doesn't fit my view of the world, then I have to be willing to turn that down. Well, and that's a, that's a good answer. And, and that's, that's what I was hoping you would say, because again, again, it, it fits my design philosophy as well. And, and again, I just, I simply call it design integrity. You know, I, I, there, there, there are things yeah. that, there are things that should be together and there are things that should not be together that don't work visually. And, uh, and I really wouldn't want to sign that you know, at the end of the day. And uh, have, have I built things before that maybe don't belong in my port or not belong? Don't, I don't want them to be in my portfolio. <laughs> I don't want anybody to see that. Yeah, sure, sure. I think we've all been there. But but just having those, that design integrity, and I, and I find this too, oftentimes the client will appreciate that at times and allow you to, uh, a little bit more levity beyond, you know, what maybe they have have uh, have specifically requested. All right, Ryan. So, you know, earlier we had talked about uh, uh, the, you know, these basic design elements and ideas and design integrity. And so you had mentioned the, the, that the design has to meet the culture. And I have to admit, maybe the term that I've never used or quite completely understand. Could you, could you expound on, uh, on, on your meeting and intent of, of uh, design culture? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, you know, without consulting, you know, jump into a dictionary of what we typically think of as culture. Uh, I think a lot of people get sort of tied into the idea that a culture is where you come from or um, your social ways. Um, and where that is true uh, when it comes to the arts, culture is a, also about pattern. Um, a culture is, I guess, to put it this way, um, you know, if you live in a neighborhood where all of the houses are similar, that is a culture that you live in, or it could be an ideology. Um, maybe you live in a liberal town or a conservative town. You know, you live in that culture. It's a liberal culture, a conservative culture. So when it comes to designing in your yard, um, I like to think of the culture as uh, 
looking at the broader picture. So let's bring in ideology if, if we have to. Um, you know, let's look at where does a person live. Let's look in particular as we narrow down to the micro, uh, their neighborhood, their house, all the way down to the fence in the backyard. You know, is it a wooden fence or a brick fence or a, or an aluminum uh, fence? You know, so the culture of where the when I use the term culture as a principle of design, I'm I'm completely referring to the pattern that we're used to. Um, so again, back to my analogy about the, uh, the the brick house on the side of the road in the rural rural uh, environment. Well, that doesn't fit with the rural vernacular. So uh, vernacular would be another way to say the culture, right? It is our okay. local culture. So that's, <clears throat> yeah, maybe and maybe I should say it's, I design with the vernacular in mind. But um, uh, I like culture. I, like, I think it's a better word, and I think it's a little more yeah. encompassing. Yeah, no, 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 I, I got it. I see where you're headed with that now, and it's making more sense. Again, there's there's probably 10, maybe 15 years between our ages, and so c- culture was always a part uh, of, of my world growing up and the various things. I just didn't know it. You know, we just didn't call it the culture, if you will. So, But I see how it does apply to design and, and, and what and, 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 and at least in what your meaning is and, and, and how it would be applicable. Because I, I think there is a, a cultural piece. I've run across something recently where you know water conservation for some uh, for instance is probably more prevalent in southern california than it is in texas for instance or maybe from where you are and so if a client says to me you know i'm moving from southern california to texas and we want to do what we did in california again that would be kind of a cultural influence there and i would need to consider those types of things and so um, it's making more sense to me now. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, to touch on that, you know, that's where an external culture is going to have an influence on an internal culture. And so where I, uh, I would certainly take that external culture and have it as a component of the design because it's important to the client. In point, what I'm really focused on is the internal culture. I want to look at that scene, ah. that setting and make sure that where they are fits the picture, right? So uh, yeah, yeah, easily yeah. put, okay. I don't want to put a modern house in the middle of a bunch of classic houses or vice versa, right? You know, um, it's it doesn't make sense. It just, it stands out. It's off-putting. So I think that, I believe that things need to blend in. So it's, uh, we don't want to put a palm tree in the middle of a of an Appalachian forest, you know? It just doesn't, doesn't fit. It's just not... It's it's not the local culture, and so I got that's it. where I'm. That's where I go with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which which you touched on it earlier too when you talked when you spoke of culture being one of the design principles. So so again, I think it is a, a, another way of, of of interpreting and uh, uh, articulating or just semantics of of the uh, of, of the principles of design and and the virtual elements of design that you use and in uh, in good design principles. Period. So I got it. All right, cool. Are you in, you're in North or South Carolina? I forget. North, yeah, North Carolina. North, North Carolina. Uh, I, I reside in Chapel Hill. You know, Michael Jordan. Um, so, yeah. it's a great place to live. Uh, I love it here. Um, you know, no, I think we've really hit it all. I mean, anybody that knows me, I talk to a lot of builders every day um, across the southeast, and 
all these guys know that I can go on and on. And <laughs> I thought it would be interesting for you and I to have this uh, conversation because I think you and I could talk for days. <laughs> so somewhere yeah, we have yeah. to draw we have to draw a line in the sand and draw closure. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's it's it, it's it's called passion and what it is that we do and. And and I see it in you, and I've I've not known you for for all that many years. I can't remember how long it is, but you know I've been a, a Genesis guy, for instance, for thirty years, and 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 a, a pool. Well, I shouldn't say that twenty years, and then a pool pool guy for thirty years. And so I've got I've known a lot of folks in this industry, and and uh, you, you're definitely in in that unique position of of being the that that one like we spoke of earlier the one that's able to implement you know a, a gunite guy for god's sake with a background in art you know that's just yeah, that's right. amazing <laughs> in and of itself so so you're, you've kind of got this broad spectrum in our industry but it seems like you're just hitting on all eight cylinders and just just rocking what it is that you do and so you know i'm i'm, I'm damn proud to know you well i appreciate it this is definitely an electric motor driving this brain man but uh <laughs> <laughs> it's uh um it's an exciting time mike i've i've delved you know 22 years deep into this almost at this point and yeah i'm passionate about it i love it i, I certainly wouldn't do it it's too hard to do this if you don't love it so um yeah we uh i think i think i speak for myself as well as um uh, the others in our company it's um we do it cuz we love it man so, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's Ryan Oak. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Well, I think that's it. That's all I've got. So uh, great talking to you. Thanks for taking time to, to sit down for this visit. And and uh, I look forward to seeing the great things that you're going to do in the future and, and uh, just seeing you personally again in, in New Orleans. So so thanks again, and, and take care, brother. Great. Likewise. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Acid Masters podcast, and don't forget to check out our Facebook page each week on Tuesdays for new episodes of the show. I also want to encourage you to stop by the Ask the Masters Facebook page and invite other like-minded individuals to join us there as well. Feel free to jump into the conversations and even post your own questions. We want to create a community which fosters learning and discovery for the betterment of us all. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please be sure to subscribe and feel free to share 